Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We want to go to Proverbs 22. And we will look at some of these on uh, April 21st of uh, 2018. Uh, I was on a ministry trip with Pastor Caldwell to, in Dodge City, Kansas. We were there with uh, uh, Pastor Jim and Lydia Ames at Abundant Life there in Dodge City. Great people. And uh, uh, I was there, and, and I always, when we, when we travel and, we, and they come separately, uh, I'm always there earlier so I can be sure to be available for them. And so I got there on, uh, on actually on Friday uh, afternoon and was awaiting their arrival, and they got there, and I got, made sure they were settled and needed, had everything they needed, and I'm telling you this for a reason, and so uh, then uh, I went and had dinner and then went back to my room, and uh, the next morning on uh, April 21st, the Lord began to talk to me about these keys of increase, and uh, there's just, there's five that we're going to deal with tonight. Hallelujah. The first law of increase is honor God. Seek first the kingdom. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures here. I want you to see this. Proverbs 22 and verse 9. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. The word bountiful is good or generous. He that has a generous eye. Now, it's interesting that the Word of God uses the word eye, but remember why you're blessed? To be a blessing. And so I'm looking for a place to be a blessing. I say, I'm looking for a place to be a blessing. Because notice, I have a bountiful eye. He that hath a bountiful eye, Proverbs says, shall be blessed. For he giveth of his bread to the poor. Well, that goes, again, matches up perfectly with Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Everywhere I have in my Bible where it talks about uh, being generous, being bountiful, I write over that verse, Matthew 6, 33. Because it all goes back to that. The, The blessing is what governs the kingdom. That there are rules, everything that Jesus said about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, everything that he said, there were principles. He taught us, number one, what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was. He taught us how to receive out of it. He taught us the principles for operating in it. Everything that when you see Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, he's either talking about how to receive out of the kingdom, how to operate in the kingdom. And so it all goes back to the kingdom of God. The operating system of the kingdom of God is the blessing. Amen. In Proverbs 21, 
Proverbs 21 and verse 26. Notice it says, Proverbs 21 and 26. Hallelujah. He, well, we should read verse 25 first of all. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. I wrote over that verse, Matthew 6, 33. The righteous gives and does not spare. Amen. That, that goes with Galatians chapter 6, where remember what Paul said? He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those that be of the household of faith. Amen. Prosperity increase in your life will always, first and foremost, be determined, the, the depth of it, the amount of it, will be determined by your heart. And notice what it says. It says there is a man that covets greedily all day, right? And, and his desire kills him because his hands refuse to labor. But it says the righteous gives and spares not. So there is a person that wants, they want to increase, they want, they want to prosper, they want things to do better, but they won't do what's necessary to see it happen. Amen. Notice in uh, Proverbs 22, back in Proverbs 22 and verse 24. Now, I'll read this and you'll go, well, why are we reading this one? Because I want you to see something. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man you shall not go. I wrote in my Bible, why? With an arrow pointed down to verse 25 lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. Folks, listen to me. You learn how to live poor. You learn how to just get by. If you have a poverty mindset, somebody taught you how to have it. Right? Somebody in your life told you you couldn't afford. That's too much. Can't do that. You think money grows on trees? Any, any right? Any, any other adjective you want to use? So the concept here is that you learn how to live without. Tell your neighbor, you learn how to live without. Now, I've got to get into this because I need you to see this. That's why as a believer governed by the blessing, you never want to let yourself get into this mindset that, well, this is enough or this is okay. I mean, it's better than it's ever been. Well, for some of us, when we got a hold of the word, better than it had ever been, wasn't that great? Amen. You learn how to live with a poverty mindset. There are people you know, maybe somebody here tonight, maybe somebody watching online. Your mindset is this. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. And, and don't ever spend any money because, after all, you never know when you're going to get some more. 
Listen, I like big numbers in the checking account. I like big numbers in the savings account. We all need a cushion, but here's what you got to understand. When the first when you go to do something, if the first thought is that you got to spend money or how much is it going to be, that's a problem. That'll choke you off. Why? Because then when it comes time and God asks you to give, the first thing you're going to think is how much he's asking you to give. Amen. God started me on $20. Giving $20. That was a lot of money. There's a lot of money. Yeah, it was a lot of money. I didn't have any money. $20 is a lot of money. Amen. Are you following me? But he kept, he kept advancing me and he kept advancing me. And I kept putting my faith in what the word said and my faith in, in the blessing. And he advanced me and advanced me and advanced me and advanced me to the point that he could ask me to give my whole check. And I did that three times. Hallelujah. I'm not pointing at me. I'm saying he had to change my mindset. And the problem with mindsets is they're passed down. And you may not ever set your kids down and say, we're poor. But if you're constantly telling them we can't, we can't afford, we don't have, we don't have that kind of money. Mm. Right? See, a key to increase is understanding, first of all, I'm honoring God. Right? You learn how to form your lifestyle around lack. Well, we only shop there. We don't go to that store. Well, why? Well, that one's more expensive. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm just being frugal. Well, I mean, I know that a person says that, but is that what they mean? Think about this. You're shopping for canned goods. One is 49 cents a can. Another one's 79 cents a can. 30 cents really going to break you? Amen. Uh, I, maybe I should use that example again. One's 49 cents and one's 79 cents. And you watch me. I'm not going to pay no 79 cents for some green beans. What are you going to do with 30 cents? What in the world can you buy with 30 cents? And that person's already got a pocketbook full of coupons, a saver's card. I mean, ever, right? They're hunting every discount that, that, that is there. And I'm not against discounts. But I'm, I'm trying to explain to you that you learn to form your lifestyle around lack. Because then it's not so noticeable. Amen. 
I mean, wherever you shop, go there because you want to go there. Don't ever let your situation dictate where you got to go. Amen. I'll buy my corn where I want to buy my corn. That's how you have to start. Amen. There are a lot of believers in their 30s living on a fixed income. You, you hear retirees talk about how they're on a fixed income, which, by the way, you shouldn't do that. But there are a lot of 20, 30, 40-year-old people living on a fixed income. Amen. Because they've learned to set the boundaries of their life up based on what comes in, in the natural, instead of on what God said in the Word and what they're capable of sowing and reaping. Amen? A self-imposed limit. There, there's different self-imposed limits. Well, I don't have that good of a job. Nobody ever taught me. Well, I don't have an education. But wait a minute. The Bible said that when you honor God, the result would be you'd be blessed. So God tells you to start a business and you revert back to what you don't know. Yet God wants to bless you and make your name great. Right? We talk about all these great men. that The men that built America. Henry Ford. Right? Uh, Vanderbilt. All, all these men. J.P. Morgan. Henry Ford didn't even have a high school education. Most of those men didn't even have uh, as much education as you have. But they knew principles... Of prosperity. Amen. Think about this. You learn the principles. You start the business. God starts prospering your business. And then you hire people and teach them the principles. Amen. You've heard the name Charles Schwab. Right? You know, finance, taxes. Well, you know, he, he's been dead Years and years and years and years and years. At one time, he had over 40 millionaires working for him. And somebody asked him one time, said, how is it that you attracted that caliber of men to your business, that you attracted 40 millionaires? He said, oh, that's easy. They weren't millionaires when they started working here. Amen. He said, what I did was I just kept moving the dirt out of the way, and the millionaires showed up. See, when you keep digging into the Word of God and you keep changing your mindset, eventually, eventually the light's going to come on. Eventually you're going to see, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be there. I'm living off the top. Amen. Amen. If, God, if God's dealt with you to have a business, if God's dealt with you to have, to have a, 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 your, own, your own source of income, you could never... Be, you should never be satisfied working for somebody else when God says, I want you in charge of what's going on. Amen. Right? There's a word I, I don't like, downsize. 
Why you got to downsize just because your kids move out? Thank you for that one Holy Ghost grunt. Just one. Right? Well, you know, we're going to downsize. You know, this, this house costs so much. Well, do you like the house? Well, yeah, we love the house. And why, why you want to get rid of it? Well, we don't need it. Who says? Who said you don't? Who told you that? Who said you didn't need that house? Well, you know, we don't have all the kids. Well, you still got them. They just don't live there. Aren't they coming back at any time? I mean, not permanently, but you know. Yet a lot of us in here have grandkids and getting more by the day. Right? We need a lot of room. You need one big room just for you. With a lock that nobody knows the combination to. And if you're like me, you'd never use it, but you, you, you understand it's still the truth, isn't it? Well, but, I, I mean, think about that. Who says you got to downsize? Well, you know, it's just the two of us. We don't need four bedrooms. Where's that written? I, I'm not saying you're wrong for doing it. I'm saying, why are you doing it? Hallelujah. Look, look over here in the book of Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Folks, I'm, I'm not just trying to challenge you tonight. I, I want us to grow. You have just, at some point, you've just got to grit your teeth and determine you're living off the top. That's it. That's it. I had the Lord tell me one time I was believing for something and, and I had some options on the table and, and I took the the lowest option, and the Lord spoke to me. And, and he wasn't mean, but boy, he was straightforward. And here's what he said to me. He said, you're cheap. <laughs> Lord, that's a low blow. <laughs> Amen. He said, you're cheap. He said, every time you get an opportunity to do something for the kingdom, you're always looking for the lowest possible price. Well, what do you do with that? Right? El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, said I was the El Chipo. <laughs> right? Well, I had to change. And people say, how'd you change? I just, I just, I swallowed my apprehension and took the bigger, the bigger amount. See, that's called faith. At some point, you will have to do something financially that stretches what you think you can do. It, it, I, I promise you. Amen. When, when the Lord had us to take some money and, and sow uh, a seed here back in December, you know, we were thinking about the seed that we needed to sow, and uh, 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 the Lord had, had told us what ministries to sow into, and uh, we were praying about it, and my wife and I came to an agreement on an amount. And, and the bottom line is, is the ministry that we sowed it into, when, when, they, when they looked at the check, 
they told me, they sent me a text, and they said, we were overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed at your seed. And they said, here's something, and I wrote it down. I wrote it down because I wanted to share it real quickly. I wrote it down because uh, they talked about, and, and many of you are, are here, and you need to hear this tonight. Uh, it said, uh, uh, we know what it's like to sow a big seed and take a big step of faith. The devil tries to harass you and cause you to fear. Now think about this for a moment. Is sowing and reaping a law? Do you see it in the Bible? How could I then ever wonder if it's going to work? That's what the enemy will try to make you fear. Right? Cause you to fear. Because the only thing he can cause you to fear is that your seed won't come up. The scripture says it will. Is that right? And, he, and, and they went on and said, but the Holy Spirit will confirm to you that your obedience to him will activate your faith, love, patience, peace, and expectation. Hallelujah. Boy, the glory's in here. Thank you, Lord. Notice what it said. The Holy Spirit will activate your faith, your love, your patience, your peace, and your expectation. So you sow that seed and the enemy will try to bombard your mind, but you listen to the Holy Spirit and he'll remind you of the harvest that's coming to you and not about the bigness of the seed you sow. Amen. I, I've learned something. I can't withhold my hand. The, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, it said in the morning sow your seed, right? And in the evening do the same thing. And it says because you don't know which one's going to prosper. In the morning sow your seed. In the evening don't withhold your hand because you don't know which seed's going to come up. You want to keep the ground saturated. Amen. I hear believers, they say, well, I give for a living. Do they? Because when you give, for, when you become a professional sower, you become a professional harvester. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Did you find Psalm 105, verse 44? Mm-mm-mm. This, there's so much here. It says, and he gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the peoples. The Amplified Bible says, so that they would possess the fruits of those people's labors. Notice, he gave them the lands of the heathen, and they reaped the fruits of those people's labor. Hallelujah. Do you see this? When we talk about the wealth of the wicked being laid up for the just, it's not, it's not coming to the people that don't sow. God's not going to take the wealth of the wicked and deposit it in somebody's life that won't be a blessing. That won't sow. There is a land, according to the word, there's a land that's there that people have sowed crops in 
that people have built houses, that people have built lives, and he said, I want you to reap the fruits of their labors. Amen. Well, you know, everybody's tried to start a business here in this town, and, and it's never worked. Well, the righteous man is here, and it's going to work. Amen. Not only is it going to work, I'm going to prosper at it. Amen. Am I helping you tonight? Yes. Amen. Increase, number two, increase comes from God. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I hear ministers from time to time, and they'll, they'll make statements like, well, you know, I don't talk about money that much. Well, I understand that, and, uh, and, you know, that's fine. I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to, I guess, but uh, nine times out of ten, uh, they don't have a lot of blessed people, and you're blessed. Amen. Increase, say it out loud, increase, increase. comes from God. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower ministers bread for your food. Multiply your seed sown and increase, increase the fruits of your righteousness. We sow, God provides increase. That word has just been in my spirit for, well, really for years now. Increase. Increase. God wants you to increase. God wants your family to increase. God wants our ministry to increase. We sow and God provides increase. Notice, and he says it's the increase, the fruits of your righteousness. Righteousness has fruit or righteousness has a harvest connected to it. It's not spiritual because Paul's talking about physical sowing and reaping, financial sowing and reaping. And he said he will multiply your seed sown. So that's increase. I have an agronomist that attends the Little Rock location. And, and uh, basically he goes around and teaches farmers how to get the best yield off their crops. Agronomist, agronomy. And uh, he was talking to me about the seed to harvest ratio. It's a natural law. They sow a 20-pound bag of seed and reap tons of harvest. You got to wrap your head around that. That's just in the natural. You can sow 20 pounds of seed and reap thousands of pounds of harvest. Right? Well, how does that work? Well, for every kernel of wheat seed that you sow, it doesn't just come up one kernel on a wheat shaft. That head is full of kernels of wheat. You don't just sow a corn seed and get one ear of corn back with one kernel. You get seven to ten ears on each stalk with anywhere from 120 to 125 kernels. And why is that important? Because you are the righteous. And he said he will increase the fruits of your righteousness. 
Amen. When you read through the word of God and you see, he blessed my master. He made his name great. Well, what did the Bible say in the first part of that verse? It said that when God blessed Abraham, he talked about him making Abraham righteous by faith. Then what did he do? Increase the fruits of his righteousness. So you were made righteous, not just for the sole purpose of being in right standing with God, but so that your right standing with God could produce harvest in your life. I am supposed to walk blessed just because I'm righteous. So why do you think the devil fights righteousness consciousness so much? Because if people don't think they're righteous and, they, and they're under guilt and shame and condemnation, they don't believe they deserve to be blessed. And if they don't believe they deserve to be blessed, the Bible's not going to make them be something they don't think they need. Amen. But I'm righteous. You're righteous. So we're blessed. We have harvest. Say it out loud. I have harvest coming because I'm righteous. Amen. Am I helping you? The seed is physical money. Financial abundance is a harvest of righteousness. A harvest of being righteous. One time, Pastor Caldwell was coming back from, uh, he was a uh, pastor at Agape, and uh, he was coming back. He had went with his prison minister, and they'd went and ministered in the prison. They were coming back, talking about the things of God. He had forgot to set his cruise control, and they got real excited, and he, you know, was going on. He said, in a little bit, I saw the blue lights behind me, and so I stopped and pulled over and got out, and officers come to the car, and he said, well, how fast was I going? He told him, and he, you know, he apologized, got out his license, registration, whatnot, apologized, said, you know, I, we were just talking about the things of God. And he said he didn't say nothing. He just kept right on writing. And uh, uh, then he got the ticket made out, and, or the, actually not the ticket, but a warning. He said, I'm just going to give you a warning and gave it to him. And uh, then he talked and he said, I sure do. My kids sure do enjoy that. Kids like you program on VTN. He said, we sure do enjoy that. And uh, so that was great. You know, he went back and told his children's minister, you saved me a ticket. <laughs> but the point is, then the officer stood back and looked at his car. He was driving a Cadillac. And he said, uh, your church must pay you more than we pay our pastor. He said, why is that? And he said, because he only drives a Buick. See, here, here's the mindset. Here's what, here's what was not said. You don't need to be driving that kind of car. That was the fruits of his righteousness. Can I, can I get you to flip the switch? Religion associates piousness and righteousness with poverty and having nothing. The Bible associates righteousness and piousness with blessing and abundance. Amen. Folks, listen, you need this more than ever. I, I get so tired of the church, not you, the church in general, talking about how dark days and, and all this stuff, and then they, they, then, they, then they fight people talking about people being blessed. If, if the church really believes 
that there are financial trouble, financial issues coming in the world, why do we not want people to have the answer to, to live through that storm blessed and in abundance? You can't have it both ways. I'm not going to suffer just because you don't think I don't need to be rich. You just can't do that. Amen. So you're righteous. You're supposed to be in abundance. Say it out loud. I'm righteous. So I should be in abundance. Amen. You see, you see what I'm saying? That, that's got to be my mindset. When somebody shows you favor, oh, thank God, the righteous, we're walking in favor. Amen. So, righteousness produces a harvest. Oh, glory. Number three, increase is a product of relationship. Increase is a product of relationship. The closer my relationship to God and His Word, the greater the flow of increase in my life. Let's look at a couple verses here. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And uh, verse 7. He said to to the disciples, if you had known me, now wait a minute, if you had known me, well, they walked with him for three and a half years, and he said they still didn't know him. You want to know how we know they didn't know him? Because when they came and told the disciples that he had raised from the dead, they said they were lying. Yeah, you can read that. One, one of the gospels says that Jesus showed up in their midst, walked through the wall, and upbraided them for their unbelief because they didn't believe the women and they didn't believe the two men from the road to Emmaus. I wasn't the Baptist folk on the other side of town. That was the disciples. Why did they not believe Jesus had raised from the dead? They didn't know him. They walked with him, but they didn't know him. Now see, sometimes people like to think, well, you know, don't talk about the disciples. That's sacrilegious. It's there for a reason. It means that you can sit and you can hear the word. They heard Jesus preach every day and still didn't believe what he said. The Bible says when they were going to the Mount of Ascension, that while he was teaching them on the Mount of Ascension, that some believed not. They saw him die. They saw him raised from the dead. They watched him walk through a wall and then pick up some fish and honeycomb and eat it. They watched him for 40 days with them after his resurrection and still didn't believe it. The, the word to know, it's, it's, it's that word that defines knowledge but it's deeper than that. It, it implies intimacy. It implies to know somebody and be one with them. 
Amen. People say, well, you know, I don't want to just be going after money. Don't worry. If you're just going after money, you won't get none. It'll run from you. That's what the Bible says. It says if you're just after money, it'll run through your hands. It's like putting money with bags, in bags with holes in it. Amen. When you, when you make the relationship the most important thing, right? He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Now, look at John chapter 8. You know, I can't get away from this. You've got to quit taking second best just because it's easier. Just because it doesn't require the same amount of effort and faith. Right? Tell your neighbor, say, second best is not for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, if, if you will lift your sights, right? Because whatever you do, you've got to do it by faith. And people will say, well, I don't need that. But your faith needs you to believe for that. Right? I mean, why should I believe for a, and I'm just using items, but why should I believe for a new car? I mean, the one I got's fine. Fine, or you just don't want to exercise your faith to believe for another one. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the truth? Well, I don't need a new car. Okay, but again, it's not about the need. It's about what are you doing to exercise your faith for greater Amen. See, there's, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there's people that say, well, I want to live in a different house or I want to live in a different place. I want to have my own house. I'd like to live in this part of town. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. What are you doing to exercise your faith to accomplish that? Because somebody will always come along and give you a crumb. They'll always come along and give you something that's something like what you want. It's a house, but it's not the house you wanted. Right? So at some point, i got to exercise my faith and say, I'm, I'm not just living off the crumb. I'm not, just, I'm not just taking second place, second hand, second best, just because that's easy then what are you going to do when a situation arises that you got to use your faith on, but the situation's not easy? And, and you've just been taking whatever's easy. Amen. See, that, that, that's, that's when you begin to expand. And you're pressing into something that's bigger than you, and it doesn't bother you in the sense of, I've got to grow into this. You know, you, know you, you, you learn something. You know, if you're living in a two-bedroom apartment and you go and buy a four-bedroom house, you're going to find out real quick that all your furniture looks like doll furniture. 
I mean, that two-bedroom apartment can be packed. But you move into a four-bedroom, 3,000-square-foot house, and you find out how much you don't have. And you know, ladies, you need, you need rugs. Why you need rugs? I mean, it's like, why you need rugs? All the ladies are laughing, but you're not giving me an answer. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Pastor Michelle's forever saying that. Well, we, we got to get some runners here and some rugs in here. And I ordered another rug. Another rug? We got another. Rugs on rugs. <laughs> but you know, Brian, what we do, we just write the check. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. But, but here, here's my point that I'm making. So what do you got to do to believe for more? If, if I just keep taking second best, how, oh Lord, I don't want to say that, but I will. How long are you just going to drive through that neighborhood you'd really like to live in and talking about how nice it would be instead of living there? Yeah, but you know, no, I read you the scripture this morning from the book of Psalms. They got not the land in possession by their own might. God gave it to them. If you're driving through the nicest neighborhood in town and you see a house and right here it says that's your house, what do you do? You go for it. I, I have a, well, he's been here before, Pastor Noel Ramos, and he's going to be here this year too with Pastor Ruby, his wife, going to do men's meeting and women's meeting and be here Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. But uh, 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 they, uh, they, they were, look, God began to deal with them to get another house. And he spoke to them and told them to look in this specific community here just recently. And they said to the Lord, why would we look in that community? We, we can't afford anything there. We can't qualify for a loan for anything there. And the Lord said, I didn't tell you to qualify for it. I told you to go look for a house. And man, they went and looked for a house and, and had a swimming pool, and, and that was a prerequisite. It needs to have a swimming pool. Well, I don't think a house needs to have a swimming pool. Fine, don't have one, turkey. You don't, you don't have to have a swimming pool. Just put on your Tommy Bahamas and get in the tub. That's what some people call exercise. They just pull the plug and fight the current. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, that that was something they re- that she really wanted. Do I, do I need to tell you they're living in that house? What, what, what looked like couldn't be done, God worked behind the scene and worked things out and it worked to their advantage. Well, you know, Pastor, it's not about things. No, it's not. It's about faith. God told Brother Hagin, he said this. He said, if you'll learn to be led by the inward witness, I'll make you a rich man. That's what he said. I was, watching, I was watching a message uh, early, early, early this morning. He was at Scott Webb's church in Birmingham, Alabama. 
Uh, that was the church that Pastor Michelle and I met Pastor Scott at. And we would go to camp meetings there. And Brother Hagin was ministering, and he was relaying that story. And he said, you know, he's done it. He did it. He said, he said, me and, he said, I was able to set all of my, by all of my grandchildren a home. He said, I was able to give all of my great-grandchildren $20,000 apiece to start them in college. And when God revealed to him the principles of prosperity, he was so poor that he was having to borrow money to pay the interest on four little notes that he had. Him and his family were living in a three-room, not three-bedroom, three-room apartment with nothing. Wore his car out and had to sell it for junk. And God's telling him, in that condition, if you'll learn to listen to the inward witness, I'll make you rich. Is God a respecter of persons? So what, what's involved in increase? Listening, relationship, be, being intimate with the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I don't have the money for that house he's talking to me about. He's not asking you to pay for it. He's asking you to believe for it. Not asking you to pay for it. He's asking you to believe for it. And once you start, don't back off. Amen. Once you start, don't back off. Do do you see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. But believers, people, just get used to second, second best. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, but that's not what God wants. Increase. Say out loud, God is increase-minded. Increase cannot flow where there's no honor or relationship. Cannot. Look at Psalm 81. Hallelujah. I I used to tell people, I say, you need to go test drive cars. You need to go sit in them. Smell the new car smell. And And don't get the one with no options. Test drive the one that's got everything on it. Amen. Why? Because... What are you believing for? Amen. You know, if you can believe God for a rent payment, you can believe God for a house note payment. Well, there's nothing wrong with renting. You're absolutely right. There's not anything wrong with renting. But you're good. there's better, though. There's better. You don't want to spend all your life making somebody else wealthy. As, at some point, you want some equity of your own. Is that right? Psalm 81, verse 13. I'm going to read it out a couple different translations. Verse 13. Oh, that my people had hearkened to me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies... 
and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them, this is talking about God, with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied you. Notice that. He says that's what should have happened. Can you back up to verse 13, Brother Dave, please, and show me that in the Amplified Bible? I want you to see this. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Speedily then. Now, what, remember, we're talking about relationship. They listen to me and walk in my ways. Speedily I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Now, hang on right there for a moment. So he is subduing your enemies and turning his hand against your adversaries. Many of y'all have watched this movie years ago. Years ago, I watched a movie called The Magnificent Seven. Years ago, just a little kid. One of my favorite movies. Yul Brenner, Steve McQueen. What a guy, man. The epitome of cool. But in any event, there was a guy in there. You may know him better from a show called uh, 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 The Man from Uncle. His name was Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn in that movie played a, a gunfighter that had lost his nerve. And they were standing around one day talking about their enemies. And many of them were there because they had enemies. And they got to Robert Vaughn and he said, I have no enemies. And the little Hispanic guy sitting next to him, he goes, no enemies, senor? He said, uh, alive. <laughs> What's well, a good illustration here because notice, he's subduing your enemies and turning his hand against your adversaries you have no enemies. Well, but I don't qualify. Oh, but I'll subdue that thing that you don't qualify for. Is that right? Uh, next verse, please. Had Israel listened to me in Egypt, then those who hated the Lord would have come cringing before him, and their defeat would have lasted forever. Whew. God would feed Israel now with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock would I satisfy you. Amen. One translation, the easy to read version, the, the Irv version. It says, if they had listened to me, then I would have, he said, then I would have, I wanted to give them the finest and the sweetest. Now, what's it say? If they would have listened to me. If you'll learn to be led by the inward witness. He said, if they would have listened to me, I would have given them the what? The, the what now? Help me. The finest and the sweetest. Say it out loud. God wants to give me the finest and the sweetest. We were looking at a building in Little Rock, and, uh, and I was looking at it, and there's no reason it's not available, but we were looking at it, and, and both me and my wife both said, no, 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 that's not a palace. We're supposed to give God a palace. He was born in a barn. We need to give him a palace. It's not the finest. Yeah, but you know what the finest cost? I don't have to pay for it. I just got to believe for it. Right? Amen. 
Am I helping you? Honor for God is found in honor for His Word. Now, when I talk about honoring the Word of God, what what do I mean? He said He wanted to give me the finest and the sweetest. So what do you do? You take that as God's Word and you go after it. Amen. Mm, Hallelujah. Boy, I could stay right there for a moment. Uh, Let's look real quick at Proverbs 28. We'll be done just momentarily. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 28 and 25. He that's of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he that puts his trust in the Lord will be made fat. Oh, glory. So what do you do? You trust in the Lord. Is that right? The next law of increase is you trust in the Lord and refuse the spirit of greed. Trust in the Lord and refuse the spirit of greed. Amen. Listen, I, I, I say this. I say this as humbly as I, I know how to say it. Listen, I've cleaned my account out more times than I know. Money has no hold on me. And it's not because I don't care about money. I, I tell you this all the time. I've reached a point in my life, I don't want anything. Somebody said, what do you want? I, I, I have everything I want. I'm going to have better, but I have everything I want. And it, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. It's not because I've become self-satisfied and satisfied because I don't want to put my faith out there and believe for anything more. Amen. It's just money. I was talking to Pastor Michelle about something the other day. Uh, there's, there's some things that we're believing God for. And, uh, and I told her, I said, well, it's just money. That's our mindset. It's just money. No sooner than it goes out, it'll come back. Because there's seed in, in, in the ground. And, you know, God gave, God gave me a way to do that. And when that issue comes up, it, uh, 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 if not all of it, the bulk of it will be paid before the procedure's ever done. Amen. Because you trust in the Lord. And what does it say? You trust in the Lord and you'll be made fat, fully supplied, abundant. Amen. When Jesus talked about different things and he talked about, he talked about a person having a hard time entering into the kingdom because they trusted in riches and they didn't trust in God. Right? This man thought, if I give all this, all this stuff away, what am I going to have? I'll never get anything back. And Jesus said, look, he's putting his trust in his money and not in the kingdom. You've you got to trust the laws of the kingdom. And one of the laws of the kingdom is that you cannot do any good thing to anybody that God won't repay you. That's a law of the kingdom. 
And what you have is you have many believers that are living in the kingdom, but they're not subjecting themselves to the laws of the kingdom. They're living in the kingdom like unborn again people. Not living in sin, not doing living wrong, but they're living in the kingdom and not taking their access to what belongs to them. Glory to God. That's a good place to say, that's not me. Amen. Say, Lord, whatever you have, I'll receive it. I'll take it. I want it. I'll have it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Proverbs 28. I'm, I'm almost done. The fifth one, we'll stop here. The fifth one is be loyal, be faithful, be loyal, be faithful. Proverbs 28 and 20. It says, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. But he that hasteth to be rich will not be innocent. In other words, that's, that's talking about a person taking a bribe. But it says a faithful man, a person that will just keep doing what they're doing, will what? Abound with blessings. Let's, let's look at that in the Amplified Bible because this is so important. Hallelujah. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he that makes haste to be rich at any cost will not go unpunished. But a faithful man, loyal, will abound with blessings. Now, there's so much there. I, I, don't, I don't know how much time I have to get into all of that. But, but loyalty. I, I've watched people badmouth their job and badmouth their boss and then expect to prosper. Well, you're being disloyal. You're being dishonorable. You can't. Yeah, but you don't know how they treat me. That, that's irrelevant. You, you live by kingdom principles. And for the kingdom to operate, you have to stay with those principles. Do good to those that despitefully use and persecute you. Pray for your enemies. If they do you wrong, don't take vengeance. Because he has said, vengeance is mine, saith God, I'll repay. Is that right? Those are kingdom principles. And you violate those kingdom principles and you won't prosper. Yeah, but I don't want them to just walk on me. Now, that can become an excuse. Nobody's talking about anybody walking on you or you allowing them to walk on you. You, 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 you should stand up for what's right. But it's the spirit you stand up for what's right in that makes the difference. The Bible says we need to come and reason together. You're not reasoning bad-mouthing your boss behind their back at home. And your wife and your kids and your dog and your cat and your goldfish all hate your boss. <laughs> I mean, your dog just sees a picture of him. <laughs> cat sees a picture. <laughs> 
goldfish belly up. <laughs> Kids calling him Mr. Meanie. Now, 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 I know that's humorous, but what's the problem with that? It violates kingdom principles. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're doing me wrong. And the Bible says when you're done wrong to bless and not curse. And quiet in this word of faith, church. Said bless them and don't curse them. Is that right? I mean, number one, if they're an unbeliever, God, God help them. They're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So they need prayer. <laughs> Bless their heart. Don't violate those principles. I've learned that. Walk in love and stay above the fray. Amen. That doesn't mean you got to back down. I remember many years ago, of course, well, it's, it'll be 20, 23, 24 years this year. Uh, of course, I worked in, in corporate America. And uh, the, the, the person over the department that I worked in, they kept, they kept making all kinds of promises to the employees, and they would never follow through with them. And then uh, for those of us that had any, any seniority standing, unit managers, quality control, whatever it was, I, I was the, uh, at that time, I was, I was the uh, only employee in a department. I was a department. <laughs> That's kind of neat. And uh, they'd come for a department meeting, and I'd show up. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> there we are. It's kind of like guys, the president and treasurer and, you know, valedictorian, salutorian of the whole senior class, because he's it. But uh, they, they kept, this was back in the days of the, the wonderful inkjet dot matrix printer. Y'all remember that? I don't know if some of y'all are not old enough to remember. But my job was, was, was very involved in those printers. And man, they, there came a day, they got a laser printer. That laser printer was as big as this pulpit. It was huge back in the day. But man, it would kick out some letters and nice, vibrant colors. And so uh, the, the, the boss kept making promises and kept making promises and we're going to get new printers. And well, you know, finally the natives got restless and they started rebelling. They couldn't get their job done. And I was in a, a, a staff meeting. I will admit to this. It wasn't, it, well, it, I didn't do anything wrong, but, but, you know, I'm just the kind of person that, you know, if you lie, I don't mind saying you lied. And so the, the and, and, and this, 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 this boss's favorite thing was she stood about this tall. And she used to be a, a, a captain in the Army. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, her thing was to make up for the fact that, number one, she was female, and number two, she was height challenged, was to yell and scream and slam things. And she'd come into every meeting with her reports. Right? I am tired of this. And here she'd go into a rage. Man, this day, I don't know if it was Holy Spirit. I don't know what it was. But I was in that meeting, 
And I just, I couldn't help myself. I laughed out loud. I laughed at the little colonel. I just, I laughed. And I just, just like that. And she goes, is there a problem? I said, no. There's, well, you can leave. I will. And so I left. I mean, it was just going to be more of the same. You guys are wrong and I'm, you know, you're not, you're not helping me and they're looking to fire me because you're not doing your job. And, you know, I mean, I don't know that she knew that that's not really making people work harder because it was like, well, you mean we can get her fired? <laughs> and so, so I went out and I was sitting at my desk doing my work and, and uh, she came out and and she sent one of the unit managers to get me, and she wanted to see me. And so I, I went in there and sat down at her desk. She said, I want to know what, I want you to make an account for your attitude in that meeting. And I said, well, uh, you're a liar. I, I really think if she thought she could have killed me, that I would not be here tonight. And I said, you keep promising people things, and you promise them. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. You promise them equipment. You promise them what they need, and you never follow through on it. And the morale in this department is, it's below the basement level. They don't trust you. And you're never going to lead somebody that doesn't trust you. Well, she didn't understand that. I'm telling you that for a reason. I had to confront that. But I didn't violate kingdom principles. I didn't dislike that woman. She's my boss. I've got to do what she tells me. If it doesn't violate my, my Christian standing and the morality that I live by, I've got to do what she said. Right? So I kept encouraging the troops. We're going to do this. We can get through this. Amen. But here's, here's what you've got to understand. I stayed faithful. You know, it wasn't long after that, you know, they, they, there was a, they figured out there was a problem, and they brought in these consultants, and they were from Minnesota. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. And uh, me and one of them, we really got along good, you know. <laughs> he always wanted me to come to Minnesota and wet a line with him. Never have, but anyway. They, they started investigating the department. And you know who they found to be the problem? The boss. Amen. You following me? But for people that, that wouldn't violate kingdom principles, they, re, they redid that whole department. They repositioned everything. And, and when it was all said and done, they gave different titles. But I was in her job. I never wanted her job. But I had something bigger to go after. When you violate kingdom principles, you can't expect to prosper when the Bible says a faithful man will abound with blessings. Amen. Hallelujah. Say this before we pray tonight. Say, Father, I choose tonight to lift up my eyes, to expand my thinking, to quit being satisfied with second best. And go after all you have for me. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Hallelujah. I believe God.